You're listening to The One Room with a View Show with Christopher Preston and Dan Orton. Hello and welcome to The One Room with a View Show with myself, Christopher Preston, and joining me today is a man as lovely as his name. He's a sunset in a frame. It's Mr. Dan Orton. <laughs> Did you like that one? That was nice. That's a little hint towards what we're going to be discussing today. Yes. Just the smallest the hint. The smallest of hints. Yeah, an Easter egg, if a you charming, will. A charming introduction. Yeah. One of your more... One of the nicer ones. Certainly one of the nice ones. We're yeah. going we're going vicious next month. <laughs> Can't wait. I'm really going for the self-esteem yeah. next month after. And joining that. me this prick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> joining me this month. Beep. Oh, a lot of lot of feedback yeah, on that. A lot of feedback on that one. So right, okay, well, it's uh, good to be here again. Talking of damning feedback, what's coming up on the show tonight? I'm Dan? glad you asked. Uh, so in some film old, some film new this month, we are looking at Kenneth Branagh's um, live-action reimagining, I yeah. believe is the official uh, terminology for it. <laughs> live-action reimagining of Disney's Cinderella. The party line. <laughs> <laughs> yes, thank you. And, uh, and, and naturally, of course, we're going to be looking at the 1950 animated version of Cinderella as well. Disney's original animated masterpiece. Yeah. Um, and then you uh, have brought to the table a little feature on trailers. You're talking about the sort of... The, the, um, I guess the growth of the politics and economy of trailers. Yes, I think is what yes, I'm going to be how, looking how at. It's sort of it's what the lecture is going to be <laughs> about. Lecture, yes. I've got my notebook. I'm ready to take yeah. notes. We're going over to Poets Corner um, in Hyde Park. <laughs> I've got my soapbox. Um, um, I'm ready. Also coming up later in the show, Netflix oh, is making Netflix a welcome coming. return. Thank <laughs> Jesus for that. Thank you. Uh, and I have a new feature for you. A new feature which I'm saving. Okay. That's a little surprise. A little hook. So these are. This is how we're kind of making this our Easter towards an Easter special is these tiny little Easter eggs that we're putting in. We've had yes. a, Cinderella, a Cinderella Easter egg. We've got a hunt for the new feature. <laughs> <laughs> yes, all, all, all good stuff. No and you'll be, you're being crucified in housekeeping as well, if memory serves. Uh, yes, and um, you're dressed as the Easter Bunny. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Easter Bunny come Pontius Pilate. <laughs> so um, on that bombshell, should we crack on? Yes, probably. Easter egg, crack. I see what you did there. <laughs> Some film old. Some film new. Okay, thank you, Chris. No worries. Uh, does it ever strain your vocal cords? Oh, more than you'll ever know. <laughs> <laughs> I've always wondered. Um, okay, so Some Film Some Film Old is Disney's nineteen fifty animated film Cinderella. Yep. Considered perhaps one of the greatest American animated films ever made. It's one of their um, grails, isn't it? Uh, well, I mean, it, it, it came after um, sort of several box office flops. Yeah. You know, dis- uh, the animation department had been uh, sadly decimated by by the war, and they weren't producing they weren't producing good stuff, mm. good quality things. They'd lost a lot of animators to the war effort, and so on. And then they needed Cinderella to be to be a, a commercial and critical it's success. So, it's so weird to think back to that kind of time because I think that we have this almost dusty museum image of Disney, don't we, as yes. this constant hit producer. And even that little kind of uh, little story you've told us there, combined with something like Saving Mr. Banks, which came out, was it last year or the year before uh, last? 2013 that came out. Yeah, yeah. and just the idea of, of Disney not always being a hit maker, like it being yes. dependent on film, seems so peculiar to think of us now. Yeah, as this. yeah. I mean, I, I was doing, I, I did some reading around this, and it was... It was their best, it was their biggest hit since since 1937. Really? Which was Snow White. Snow White, yeah, of course. You know, after that, they had a, a string of, 
I don't want to say failures because I mean a lot lesser. of those films, lesser films, you know, Pinocchio, Fantasia, Bambi, all of which have now become classics. beloved classics, but at the time were not considered Disney's greatest it's, effort. It's funny that it that that Cinderella became like the step forward from Snow White in some ways. Then because it feels like a much more modern film than Snow White does. Mm. I watched Snow White um, several months ago, and it feels like an old museum piece. Yeah, it does feel incredibly dated from everything from that kind of very bleaty kind of musical feel to it to just just some of the principles held within it seems so much so much more ancient than than Cinderella does. Yeah, no, I see your point. Yeah, of course, it won three Academy Awards. Yep. Best sound, best original song for Bibbidi Bobbidi Boo. Bibbidi Bobbidi Boo. Yeah. <laughs> it's, just a, it's just a string of gibberish. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know it's what the competition was that year. Yeah, supercalifragilisticexpialidocious, <laughs> I think. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and then, of course, it won best score as well. And our song film new, as I mentioned in the introduction, is this year's uh, live action Cinderella, directed by Sir Kenneth Branagh. Yep. Uh, Sir Ken. And starring most of the UK's. Top acting talent, starring most of BBC Three. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you've got two Downton Abbey actors in there. Yeah, um, you've got Kate Blanchett, wonderful, wonderful Kate Blanchett. Yeah, Derek Jacobi pops up. Bryden uh, pops up. The, uh, Rob Bryden, Lucius from the Thick of It is in it as well. Yes, so, yes. Um, I believe some, one of the dads from the Inbetweeners. Yeah, Alex Luke, McQueen. Yeah, that's as, the Alex as, McQueen. That's as, the, like, the town crier and and Stellan's Stellan Skarsgård, and of course. Uh, Richard Madden as as Prince Charming mm, and Lily James. She has she done she did uh, the Fast Girls before. This is only like her second film, I think. Really, she, uh, Matt yeah. Smith's new bow is what I know. Right. Yes. Anyway, so Cinderella. Obviously, you should know the story by now. I, I think it would be yes. And it's important to find out this Cinderella. Both these Cinderellas are based on the French fairy tale. Yeah. Sin. I don't know. I can't remember the exact title, but it's not. Grim. Cinderella, then I think is the fair enough. Right, we'll go is the Parisian. We can't prove that. <laughs> oh, we can. <laughs> we just choose not to. They just choose not to. I think um, it would be crass of us to kind of outline the plot. They are the same no. thing. Everyone's seen Cinderella or heard the story, but it's not Grimm's fairy tale. Certainly just to not. Point that out. No. In case anyone's like, it's not as bloodthirsty as it should be. Yeah, those Cinderella yeah. fanboys and girls yes, out there. Those, those crazy ones. It's um, uh, it's it's funny because th- th- this comes. I don't know if it's the first step as a reimagining. There's lots of these live-actions ones coming out. Uh, yes, Disney, Disney are kind of raiding their own vault, their yeah. own archive of, of their animated classics and, and are bringing them now to the big screen. You had Maleficent yeah. last year. Yes, uh, which kind of kicked it off, I think. We've got Cinderella, Beauty and the Beast has just been announced. Uh, Dumbo has been announced as yeah, well. Yeah, that's Tim Burton, isn't it? He's going to yes. do a live-action version And of course, of I mean, 2010, 2010, of course, I saw Alice in Wonderland, which mm. I suppose does count. And they're doing a sequel to that, aren't they? And that gets a sequel because, I mean, it made billions. It's, uh, it's a peculiar thought because a lot of the a lot of the mindset behind, and I suppose this comes also in like when we talk about the the uh, politics and economy of teaser trailers and trailers themselves, There there is that level of that coming into this, like, what what's the point in them? What, what does live-action bring? Uh, but I must admit, with Cinderella, I was pleasantly surprised. Yes. I thought it was going to be purely milking a cash cow. Cinderella, synonymous with fairy tales. Yes. I mean, everyone knows what happens. It, it's not like it's, it, it can bring any surprises. No, it wasn't really. Shyamalan directing. You know. <laughs> Although that would have been an it interesting... It was a, a figment of Gus Gus's mind whilst he's <laughs> screaming in a penitentiary or something like that, which I don't know, that might be Tim Burton's version actually next. But... There is that level of why have they bothered? Because the Disney classics are so classic; they really are your, you know, jewels in the crown of childhood, yes, aren't yes, they? We've all it's, that, that. That's what makes childhood a hive mind of sorts because we all have that in common. We yes. all 
breastfed on Disney films as kids, mm. Lion well, King. I, I never remember. Like I mean, as a child, I don't ever. I don't think I ever applied sort of any sort of time scale to them. As far as I know, no. Cinderella would, could have come out at the same time as Lion King. Yeah, I we had no we, idea until several years later that, of course, Cinderella is uh, you know. 40-odd years. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's 1950, senior. which is crazy. And that's another thing. I think there's there's no prejudice in children for things like that. No, is I there, mean, the magic, of, it's the magic of storytelling is mm. obviously something that we... It transcends. Hold, it transcends yeah. any sort of quality of animation and so on. Mm. I'm glad they made this film, though, because I did think that it, it nodded back to the past enough to keep it... There was a reverence to the past yes. and to the fairy tale of Cinderella and to Disney's film, Cinderella. I thought there was enough nods towards the animated feature in, like, homage. But yeah, and it yeah. was its own thing. And I quite like the fact that they didn't go over... The, well, they don't modernise it as such. It's not like it happened in Manhattan or something <laughs> like that, you know, or... Yes. I mean, this is a proper... Kenneth Branagh and his team have created a real old-fashioned beautiful fairy tale of a film it, yeah. you know there's nothing it, it it doesn't seem to like conform to sort of what modern audiences might want from a film there's nothing particularly edgy or no. terrifying about it. it it feels very i don't want to say pedestrian but because that's not perhaps the right word but it, it, it friendly friendly and, and 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 traditional and and just it's gorgeous to look at you know mm. every every frame every every shot and scene is like some sort of painting. Yeah. You know, it's so beautifully realised. And I'm glad that Branner did this because he kind of misstepped when we did... Well, in fact, this is a previous podcast. We spoke about Jack uh, Reacher, didn't we? Yes. Uh, Shadow Recruit. And so I'm so glad that he's now gone on to do something. This feels like a Kenneth Branner film. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think he... he... He loves these sorts. I think mean, he does work in this sort of thing. Yeah, he got, where he's comfortable. He's comfortable in legend almost, yeah. isn't he? Jack Reacher was a risk and a risk worth taking, mm. I think, for him. And I, it was I a roll of the dice. He just yeah. didn't come through. Yeah. And I don't, you know, Jack Reacher is a perfectly solid film. But mm. yeah, this this is where he excels. You know, he, I mean, obviously we've we've seen his Shakespeare uh, adaptations. We've seen what he did with Thor, mm. uh, and now we're going to see what he does with with a much loved fairy tale yeah um, and I thought there was enough changes in it to make it nice and uh, refreshing and a breath of fresh air and the performances are great in it but at the same time as you said there wasn't that tacked on we need to make this a modern tale hmm. or we need to go down the Christopher Nolan Dark Knight route and give Cinderella a gritty origins tale I particularly enjoyed that I think Maleficent a lot of the backlash of Maleficent seemed to be that a lot of they were trying to find sympathy for the devil in its own way and I think I haven't seen the film, but from what I read, quite uh, from some of someone's quite extensive review online, is about this kind of weird crowbarred in rape metaphor that they brought to uh, to Maleficent. Whereas there's nothing like that, and that nothing as dark as that, but nothing no, no. metaphorical in that way in Cinderella. But at the same time, we get what, what what the animated film couldn't give us, what 1950s film couldn't give us in its sort of I think 70 minute running time. It's yeah. a very short film. Yeah, uh, and I think a lot of Disney's animated classics from back then were. But we get a lot more character depth here. Because this is two and two hours fourteen minutes, I think. Is it really like that? No, yeah, it didn't feel like that. But, no, it doesn't. I, mean, I, I like there's there's a lot more depth to these characters. I mean, you know, Lady Tremaine, uh, played by Kate Blanchett, the, step, the wicked stepmother, is is, is given you know, given a few more layers than simply just wicked stepmother. You, yeah, you, you don't particularly agree with her, but you can perhaps you peel that off. You understand you? where she's coming from, but there isn't too much focus on her. When was the last time you saw original Cinderella before this? It was on at Christmas. 
Oh, so you watched it over Christmas and, yeah. and then did you rewatch it again for this? No, I, I just I you watched remember. it for Christmas. I, I, last time I watched it was was over Christmas. It so was the, on BBC One, I believe. So I hadn't watched it in years, like years. I was really kind of polishing off. Well, yeah, before I saw it in December, I hadn't seen it probably since childhood. Childhood, yeah. And I watched it. Um, you know, Disney opened the vault and they bring out these like diamond editions and things. So yes, I watched yeah. it on Blu-ray version, and I've got to say, the restoration of it is amazing to watch it in that 1080p HD. But I must admit. I don't know if it's kind of like when you... Re- you know when they say you shouldn't revisit memories and things like that? As right, well? yes. I, I think a, le- a level of that came out in Cinderella. It wasn't as good as I remembered it to be. And I don't know if it's because I've been so exposed to modern cinema and things like this modern update of... Uh, not modern update, this re- reimagining of Cinderella where you luxuriate in time and you're and the characters are all given their due and everything like that. Yes. It just seemed like so... It seemed rather scant in comparison. I know, I see your point. Although, do you not find... I mean, it's a very charming film. It's charming. I, you know, I found myself... They're off. It's funny. Um, but yeah, It's it knowing perhaps, in its way. It is perhaps a little... Yeah. I couldn't help but compare it to a Tom and Jerry cartoon, though. Because, there, you know, like, particularly in the first... For me, there's a kind of couple of minutes of exposition. This is what happened to Cinderella, like, yes. before you need to know about her. Then it goes into a song, Dream is a Wish Your Heart Makes. Then... She's just playing about with the cat and the the mice for kind of... I think it's something like 20 minutes. There's a 20-minute sequence. And in a 70-minute film, that's like a third of the film where she's just washing up with the mice. And I remember... You've got to love those mice. You've got to love those mice. But it does feel like a Tom and Jerry cartoon because you've got... Uh, Lucifer, the cat, yes. you know, this, this cat that's in the film that's the size of an Alsatian, <laughs> and he's kind of trying to eat the mice and she's trying to separate them and everything. There is an awful lot of emphasis on that. And I remember pausing the film to see, and it is about 20 odd minutes, that really? first act, yeah. <laughs> um, whereas I think in comparison, you said there, uh, Branagh's Cinderella is like two hours, two, and a, two hours 14, two hours 17, and it's yes. remarkably pacey. Like it, it keeps its yeah. wheels. But turning. I mean, can you? I mean, you can't deny that, that fi- the final act of of the animated film, mm. where the Grand Duke turns up with the slipper slapstick routine of trying to get it onto the ugly stepsister's yeah. huge feet, mm. <laughs> um, and then it and then it, it breaks or something. I can't remember exactly. Yeah. But it shatters somehow, and and he you know this, this wonderfully animated character with the, the, the monocle and the huge handlebar, <laughs> the, the lamb chop and stuff. Yeah. Um, and then. And then, of course, Cinderella appears. She gets up, you know, she, the mice save her from the attic and she runs down and goes, don't worry, I've got the other one. Yeah. I mean, that's a wonderful moment no, in, and, and Cinderella in, in, in itself, it, the, the animated film, produces so many of them. Even the, the bippity-boppity-boo sequence and where she's kind of rising and the, the dress is being woven and yes. things like that. And there are some wonderful, wonderful moments. And I'm not trying to diss it. No, no. I'm no. just saying that I think that... Unlike some of the Disney films that I... I love, unashamedly, I'm a huge Disney fan. Love, love, love Disney. I think sometimes when you revisit some of these old ones, that sentimentality, that glass-like sentimentality of being a child can sometimes be dinted or have those hairline fractures. Maybe your cynicism of being an adult... Disney was making... He knew his audience. Of course he and did, yeah. 24-year-old men are uh, not yeah. his audience. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> More to the pity. When will they make something for us 24-year-old white men? I think Toy Story 3, I think, was the last big <laughs> hurrah for us. But no, uh, I, I must admit, I, I enjoyed both. I think I actually enjoyed the reimagining more. They're immensely enjoyable films. Yeah. And I, I think... I, I, I think I agree that the, the reimagine this reimagining. I, I, I don't know. I feel I have a hard time calling it that. I know, I know. It, it sticks in the this, throat. That this live action remake. Yeah, that's um, preferable. Uh, or, or just yeah, Branham, perhaps. <coughs> Branham, I like that. Yeah, that should be you know, trademark. I love that. that. 
<laughs> this Branimated version. I'm about ten lawyers are on the phone. <laughs> Not again. <laughs> uh, it, Shadow it, recruit. It does, what? It does. It does pip the 1950 version to the post just ever so slightly. I think by virtue of having a little bit more time, a little bit more depth to characters. I mean, there's there's some really touching moments. I mean. It, <laughs> In true Disney style, of course, you have dead parents galore. There's not one, not two, but three dead parents in this film alone (laughs) that all die during the course of the film. Yeah, (laughs) first, like, 15 minutes. I mean, good God. Yeah, no... That Hayley Atwell's uh, the mother, isn't she? Yes. That's quite a nice sequence. But I felt that that was almost in homage to that, you know, the, the Gotham City-esque parent murder <laughs> that Disney films kind of bung in at the, in their prologue. Yeah, I mean, Disney aren't happy unless their main character is it's either sl- a, an orphan yeah. or, or has only one parent. Yeah. There are very few occasions where the kid has a, a wholesome family. Yeah. Um, I don't know what that says about their. Uh, there was lovely of... little, lovely little branches though of that. Like I think that there was reverence there. I was glad that this film wasn't Ramo with CGI. It, it actually feels fairly traditional as a film. Mm. I didn't, I didn't think there was so much CGI in comparison to something like Alice in Wonderland. Yes, well, Alice. I mean, and thank God it wasn't three D. Yeah, <laughs> I can't, I can't emphasize I'm surprised that they now. didn't go for that though. I'm really surprised they didn't bung on three. No, I'm interested to find out why they didn't. Maybe mm. there was uh, some sort of decision there was was decided. Maybe maybe they thought Alice in Wonderland was just a sort of CGI heavy 3D mess, mm. which it was, even if it did make billion dollars. Exactly. I think with this, they don't. There's lovely little shades uh, of homage, but it doesn't uh, it doesn't drown it in. It, as I said, so there's. Not that much CGI. Obviously, there's CGI used, but not, yes. not so yes, overwhelmingly. Sadly, Helena Bonham Carter isn't an actual witch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and that the anthropomorphism isn't used a dreadful amount as well, even no. though like Gus Gus and his yes, clan yeah, are yeah. involved. And sh- um, quite rightfully, they're, they're reduced in stature compared to the yes. original. And now there's a, a, some cons, I suppose. It's yeah. a shame. I was hoping, I was expecting a musical. Yeah, you said this um, when we were warming up. I, I was expecting musical, and I mean, and and if you stay for the credits, you do hear Helena Bonham Carter singing "Bibbidi Bobbidi Boo," uh, which is nice, and she brings a wonderful scatty. Uh, sort of, I mean, she's. I mean, Helena Bonham Carter does a great line in in kooky scatty. She madness. reminded me. She either does scatty good character or scatty bad, bad character. character. So we've yeah. seen scatty bad character in Bellatrix Lestrange from Harry Potter. We've mm-hmm. now seen scatty good character in this. And interestingly, a bit of trivia for you, if you're up for it. Yeah, go on. You're always, up, always up for it. So. Helen Bonham Carter plays the fairy godmother. She also played the Red Queen in yeah. their Alice in Wonderland remake. The Queen of Hearts and the fairy godmother were both voiced by Verna Fenton in their animated I did not know that. Yeah, both I'm taking actors. that away for free. Thank you very much. <laughs> that's, that's, all right. that's fantastic. She went a little bit um, Peggy Mitchell in the bingo adverts, if I'm being honest. Slightly. <laughs> There's a little bit of that going on. Ever so slightly. But, I mean, I, I'll let that go. In contrast, I was actually quite pleased... That they didn't go down the musical angle, and I'll tell you for why. I went to go and see Charlie and the Chocolate Factory in Drury Lane last year, mm-hmm. uh, and they it's it's the new musical version yes, in, yeah. in London uh, of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, and the songs weren't very memorable in it. As a musical, it's actually not that great. Sorry if you're listening, but it, it, you know, a bit of a diss there, but it's not actually that fantastic a musical until they. Bring in pure imagination from the film. From the film, yes. From Gene Wilder, the original film. Yeah, yeah. And it was the worst thing they could have done because no one remembered any of the songs from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. And then, as everyone rose out of their seats to leave the cinema, uh, sorry, to leave the theatre, yes. Everyone's there going, 
If you want to view paradise. <laughs> no one's buying the soundtrack or anything outside. And right. I think that maybe because of how iconic, particularly those two songs that we've spoken about are in the original Cinderella, would they have ever been able to better that? Would people have ended up just going back to the reference? Well, I mean, I just assume they would do what they were doing, what they've announced they're going to do with Beauty and the Beast, which is just, just have the original songs oh, in there. Oh, fair enough, by yeah. The main I didn't, I didn't imagine they'd be putting new stuff in. I just I thought we'd get A Dream is a Wish Your Heart Makes, Bibbidi Bobbidi Boo, yeah. the, the, the mouse song, um, We Can Do It, We Can Do It, yeah. whatever that is. And maybe a few extras. But it, yeah, they could have gone down that road. It didn't, it didn't make the film worse for me. No. Uh, I can understand why they didn't do it. And I quite liked, I mean, for example, Helena Bonham Carter's character, uh, the fairy godmother, does indeed say bibbidi bobbidi boo in the film. And I thought that was a nice touch. You mentioned homage. Yeah. I think that, that was one of those, an example there of a little... They're little of, winks, aren't little they? Little winks to the, to, to the classic version that this film owes a lot to. I liked the fact that... I thought Lily James was excellent at Cinderella as well. Uh, and I think I liked the way that they updated that character slightly. She was a, mo- yes. a lot more independent. Cinderella's a hard character. I mean, I still feel... There's, there are points in the film where you can't feel but think, oh, you know what, just... Come on. Come on, woman. Yeah. You, no, one, no one would put up with this level of, of, yeah. of shit yeah. <laughs> from anyone, surely. Yeah, none, none of this. That was a dropped line in this. None film. of this have courage and be kind. Yeah. Give them a good slap and yeah. send them on their way. Well, I'll tell you, I, said to my, I saw it with my friend last night, and because uh, Kate Blanchett is just superb. She's so yes. pantomime, but the right side of it. Yeah, she's the right side, yeah. Uh, I said to my friend, I'd have stabbed her in her sleep <laughs> if she'd have spoken to me, honestly, because they are so cruel. I did think that, actually, because it is pantomime. It's, Cinderella is pure pantomime, but I thought yes. the way that they did uh, uh, Drizella... Uh, Anastasia and uh, and Kate Blanche's wicked stepmother is fantastic, especially because the animated version's got this really sinister, insidious Darth Vader quality about her, hasn't she? So it's very difficult, I think, yes. to replicate that in live action and make it your own. And it is wonderfully done, wonderfully done. Mm. But I did think Lily James, she she does bring this kind of um, there's a level of kind of like independence, just a sweetness to her. I th- I thought she served. What you said, like a very tricky, like misogynistic kind of application character, fairly well. I thought, on, on contrast, Richard Madden was very placeholdery and quite boring, actually, to be perfectly honest. I don't know. Yes, yes. I thought he was bland in comparison. No, I, I agree. I don't think he. Yeah. The film's not really about him, is it? No, of course not. <laughs> no, he's just a conduit, isn't yes. he? Yes. Um, it's more about Cinderella, it's more about her relationship with The you. King in the North! <laughs> That's what I wanted at one point. To, to walk into the ball and just see dire walls everywhere. Yes, for it all to go suddenly. You're going to break bread and all... salt. <laughs> <laughs> David Bradley turns up, you know it's time to leave. <laughs> and I think that takes us nicely onto Bob ratings, Dan. So, what are we thinking? I have to give the animated version five. I think it would be an insult not to. Okay. You probably disagree, but I am, and I take. I, I'm going to go four. Okay. Because when I watched it yesterday, no, sorry, day before yesterday, when I watched it, I, I must admit, parts of it, I was thinking, this is literally three star. This film, like, it's just there's parts of it that just bored me, and then but there was so much of those little jewels and clinkingness towards the end that you really love, and you actually yes. think, right, I'm going back into the the avenues of my childhood now. And it's like this kind of autumnal leaves of memory breezing over. <laughs> but when I was a kid, it was a five-star film through and through. And I've watched it over and over and again, loved it. And it's only now this kind of these you know, mm. dark branches of cynicism that's wrapping around my brain. So I think I'll plump for the middle and go for a four. Okay, I, I'm, I'm sort of, I think I'm taking a, taking nice a pair of right. shears to those, yeah. those <laughs> branches of cynicism and trying to... You know, I, think I'm trying to I, I think that if, if I sat my niece down and, watched this, and she watched this film... She would love it. And that's what my point is, is that if I was sitting down 
in this kind of Back to the Future style way with yes. my my younger self, then my younger self would be looking at me like this is a five star film through and through. Yeah. But because I'm older and craggier, if I'd have just watched this film without any reverence, I'd have okay. given it three. But that's why I'm plumping for four because when I was a kid, I'd have given it five stars straight away. Okay. And this new one, I'm going to give that four as well. I really did enjoy it. It's not perfect, and I think that in some ways maybe we've kind of glossed over some of its smaller problems but they're more niggles they are than very small else. they're yeah. very small issues. It, it's a really great film I don't think it's going to be remembered in the same purely because it's standing on the shoulder of a giant yeah. but I don't think it will be remembered in the, with the same reverence that the 1950s version is but it is lovely and, yes. it, and it's such a difficult thing to do yeah they're both very charming films this one is a very lovely film and I imagine it's probably going to be on BBC One at Christmas from every year from now from until, here after until, yeah. Yeah, yeah. until eternity yeah. I give it four bob as well Chris has insisted that I do a a, 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 jingle. a jingle for this. Yeah. So here we here it goes. Here it comes. It's it's time for <coughs> which Chris said this. Yes, excellent. Okay, so this is a new game that I thought up in about five minutes the other day. Good man. Uh, I've bas- I've got a quote. Why break a winning formula? Well, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. I've got a quote here. Right. From a famous. Actor, right? Whose name is Christopher? Okay, I'm going to give you three options, right? Of which Christopher said it. Okay, I like it. This is like our pilot, then. Yeah, we're right, piloting okay. this, right. and you know, just to see if you can guess who who said it, right? Okay, so the quote is this: "I'm too old-fashioned to use a computer. I'm too old-fashioned to use a quill." <laughs> Your options are. I, I think I know who it's going to be. But <laughs> yeah. go on. Your options are Christopher Plummer, right? So Christopher Lee. I knew you were going to say Lee, or Christopher Lloyd. Oh, uh, do you know what? If you hadn't given me the options, I'd have gone for Lee. But I think it might be one of the first two. It might be. It might be Plummer. I don't think it's Lloyd. Oh, um, I'll go. I'm going to go for Plummer, and I'll tell you for why. Go on. Because I think Lee is too obvious for you. Why? <laughs> you think I? I think you might have tried to throw me off. Unless it. I put a double bluff in there. Oh God! This is like that new Bond teaser. <laughs> Um, Stay tuned for our discussion on that later. Yeah, nice book. <laughs> yeah. Well, Chris, is this? <laughs> da, 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 da. Uh, oh right. Um, I'll go. I'll go. Oh, do you know what? I'm going to quote again. Yeah, go, give me it again. I'm too old-fashioned to use a computer. I'm too old-fashioned to use a quill. I'm going to go. My, for, that's my own intonation. Do you know what? I'm going to go for Lee because I think you might have double bluffed me. You're going to go for Lee. I'm going to go for Your Lee. Final answer. Final answer. You. Are incorrect. Oh, for... Go on, it was plumber. Oh, for Christ's <laughs> sake! <laughs> Triple blast. <That's> so irritating. <laughs> da, 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 da. Yeah, that's good. We'll do that again. I like that. That'll run and run. <laughs> Keep doing that. So many Christophers. Oh God, I should have got that. I thought it was plumber. All right, fair enough. You've had me. I'm bloody annoyed now. <laughs> teaser, teaser, teaser trailer. <laughs> That was my little <laughs> one-off jingle. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. That was all right. Oh, Christ. Okay. Okay, that really sets a, a real bar of quality, I think, for this mm. discussion. So I hadn't watched much in the last few weeks, and I thought I, we, we used to do uh, on the radio show The Great Debate, didn't we? Yes, yeah. This is kind of... In fact, actually, I think we did one that, um, last season with Tory. This is kind of an offshoot of that. And it's just because so far... And this isn't a recent thing. It's really happened really, I suppose, 2010 kind of onwards, really, is that the this saturation of 
trailers in all of their various incarnations. So we have t- trailers, teaser trailers. We now have teasers for teaser trailers. Yes, Instagram videos that are about six seconds long. Yeah. And just six seconds of the main trailer, which is going to be released 24 hours later or something. Yeah, absurd we, have, like we that. have Vines. We've got it on YouTube. We've got tweet this hashtag and you'll have a bit of a poster revealed. And I just wanted to have a chat with you about it. Like, where is this going? How do we feel about it? Oh, I mean, it's surely the, the bringing about the coming of the apocalypse. Yeah, so see you next month. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's our no, thought. I find a lot of it very irritating. I find it so irritating. Um, so irritating because I, lo- I love cinema and you love cinema. I don't like crappy little six-second shots of a film that I'm going to go and, and watch or leaked descriptions of trailers or vines of trailers and things like that and i i just loathe it and it doesn't bring about any hype for me it just irks me and i think it's actually got to the point now where because of how much money are being pumped into these blockbusters there's such a need to be like we need to get bums on seats like yes. we need so many bums on seats it's ridiculous although you find that the films doing it are the ones that are surely guaranteed bums on seats the, avengers the, avengers age of ultron is probably the biggest perpetrator of this imagine if you lined times. up all the trailers and TV spots they've done so far you'd watch, you could watch the entire film well do you know what Dan Alton someone's done that and I'll get Dave to post it on the, <laughs> on the on one room thing someone has a kind of inferred the chronological order of everything that they've shown so far in the three trailers and yes, billion TV, t- TV, TV spots TV that we've spots, got yes, meet the characters and, meet the characters and, and all this kind of job yeah, yeah. and they've lined it all up in what they believe to be or what they're inferring to be chronological order it's about nine minutes something like that and if you watch it I'm sure you'll get beat for beat most of most of the films and for me it's it's sucking that magic like a, like a lemon you know we're sucking yes. the juice of, of the magic out of it Imagine for a moment how amazing it would have been come April, your bummy's in the seat, you're glued to the screen, and the Hulkbuster smashes out in front of you in high definition on a, on, a, on a cinema screen. That would have been amazing to see. Instead, we're crouching over our iPhones watching that first. It doesn't bring about that hype. For me, it's, it's suckling away that goodness. No, you're absolutely right. It's almost as bad as trailers, which are almost, you know, you get a trailer that will reveal the entire plot of a film. Amazing Spider-Man and 2. I, I know people that will, I know people who deliberately don't get to the cinema before they think, you know, they, they try to avoid any All trailers. All the trailers, yeah. Because they don't want to see the film packaged up into a sort of two-minute Yeah, I don't vignette. want the vitamin capsule, um, I want the meal of the yeah. film. There was one last night when I saw Cinderella for a film called A Royal Night Out. Oh, yeah, I saw that, yeah. Um... Which or, is a, or Downton Abbey, the movie, <laughs> as it were, what it looked like. Which is like. all about uh, Princess Elizabeth and Princess Margaret going out on VE Day yeah. to celebrate the end of World War Two For a good point. And, <laughs> and, and the trailer essentially gives you the entire film. Yeah, beat for beat. In, in little little snapshots. And you, so I, I turned to the person I was watching the film and I said, I don't need to even... Don't need we, to see we've that just seen now. this we've, film. Yeah. Handily and, in two minutes. Yeah, exactly. It is literally just the, the, the toasty version of it. Yeah. And, and it's what's really irking me. And I know that the, the rebuttal of this to anyone listening will be people going, we'll just avoid the trailers. But in the world that we live in now, you'd have to hermit yourself because <laughs> we live in such a digital world. I mean, world I'd now. still like it. I'd, 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 I'd still like to see trailers. I mean, so recently, the Star Wars trailer. Of course. There I- is a brilliant example of a good trailer mm. a good uh, and the trailer should be a teaser trailer should be the thing that uh, you know gets you salivating for the main event mm. however far in advance that's going to be from when the trailer is released yeah. you know I, I would happily not see any more star wars trailers until that film comes out 
I hope not to, to be perfectly honest. Ah, but apparently they're bringing out another one at the end of April. Well, of course they will, because Avengers is coming out, and it's yeah. Mr. Disney. Uh, have you seen the Spectre one that was released? Yes, I have. Again, I thought that was great. A good one. And I would, again, as I said, happily not see any more Spectre trailers. That will get me and through to, the front door. That would, that, I mean, that, Both I, those teasers I'm, you said. I would, I'm, I'm already, they've already got... They, they had me at hello. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. You know, well, anything this, else is filler. With this brand recognition, with your Bonds, your Star Wars, your Avengers, etc., we don't need them. We don't need posters. We don't need that. I, I put on Twitter recently, Marvel could have just gone round the major cities of the world bunging up post-it notes with a big A and the date, and people would have lined up. Yeah. No one's... But it's all these people, sort of, all these people in social media and stuff saying, oh, you need to be on social media, you need to be getting these films on Instagram, on... Vine on Twitter, you know, uh, Brian Singer did it a lot for X Men: Days of Future Past, and uh, he was on, he was on, he was tweeting and Instagramming constantly throughout production and into post production and into the marketing stages as well. Yeah, and he was one of the, I mean, certainly the first culprit I can remember of posting a six second teaser of the teaser trailer. Yeah, you know. Luckily, which came out to you know much derision from people online, saying, well, you know, uh, "Why in God's name are we watching this? We just wait another twelve hours. We'll get the we'll get the full minute and a half teaser." Version. Well, the first one I can remember of a teaser. Uh, also, sorry, just to add to that, David Ayer's doing that a lot now with Suicide Squad, isn't he? He's kind of Instagramming yes. scripts. Oh, and Snyder's doing it. Snyder's too. doing yeah. it uh, with, with Batman v Superman. But um, yeah, the. The, the, the first one I can actually really remember of a teaser for a teaser trailer, which is mental as far as I, I can't believe that that's a sentence that we can say, was for Prometheus. And it was a couple of seconds, just like the eh, 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 kind of Inception horn with like four images. And it was like t- teaser trailer comes tomorrow. And I remember watching that thinking, I- I've come to the end now. I can't. This is end days. Well, yes. Come to this. Yes. If we have crossed... And then uh, Ant-Man did it as well, didn't they? Where they did the ant-sized version before they then showed you the larger, larger teaser trailer. And it's like you're just trying to make inventive ways now for, for nonsense. That's crazy for me. I mean, fair play to the Ant-Man thing. I think that's at least a little bit... It was more innovative. It was more yeah. innovative than some of the other stuff that's come out. You know, and they're going to they're gonna go with that. For, mm. I mean, they did that on a magazine cover, didn't they? They had Ant-Man at his Ant-Man size on the front of a magazine. I, I think, think it was Entertainment gonna, Weekly. They're going to milk that for all it's worth. Yeah, and I think with Ant-Man, they're going to have to as well because I think there is more worry about that doing yes. well than, than, for example, the Avengers. I think I, I do think it's crazy. And, and I'm not doing that in a craggy, oh, I'm sick of these. I love these franchises. I love Avengers. No, no, I love Bond. Right, yes. I can't wait to see them. But I don't like seeing them on YouTube before I go and see the yeah. film. And, I, and as I said, you, these are the films that don't need all that. No, absolutely not. But it's you, just you've already got you. You, you could they could put anything out, mm. and people are going to go and watch it. Of course they are, yeah. and that's what I think is that I could almost understand it if these these small independent films who don't have the budget for these yeah. ridiculous blitzkrieg media campaigns. But where it is the larger temples, like did you see uh, the Bond teaser poster where it's just Daniel Craig just looking at the camera? That's the, the teaser poster for Spectre, and people are like, "Oh, posters coming out," and it's like. What has that done? Like, why has that heightened any awareness? We know it's coming. It is out a strange. Yes, it is a strange sort of. You know, let's get people anticipated for the release of something. Why not just release the thing? Yeah, and I, I suppose on the flip side, before we kind of wind this discussion down, the flip side is that when it is done well, it's done beautifully. And the Star Wars one, I think, really is the best example that I can remember for years uh, yes. being. But then. I don't. I mean, I think that has something to do with J.J. Abrams. I remember his Star Trek trailer being really, really good. Mm. It, I think the first one was that kid stumbling across 
the Enterprise being constructed yeah. through a voiceover from Leonard Nimoy doing the whole, you know, face the final frontier thing. And that was so, you know, that got, you know, that it was got the, me it, excited. It was the young Kirk, wasn't it, when his bike was going over the cliff or something? Was that it? Or was that a later I think, one? No, I think, yeah, I think that was a later one. But there was one that was just literally someone coming across the construction site oh, okay, for the fair Enterprise. Enough. And there's all these welders and people kind of... And then and it sort of pans out and eventually see, that was you can wonderful. see what's being made. I mean, what a great metaphor for the film, for the production as well. I remember you know, this. Yeah, yeah, we, that, yeah, we're here. We're building the Enterprise. Do you remember the Simpsons movie one as well? We stand against 3D and then oh, it yes. zooms out and you see Homer sitting in his pants. And it's like <laughs> one man will go further than the other animated and it just zooms out. And you see Homer in his pants with the Superman <laughs> It was, it, um, they were trying to do it as if it was a yes, Superman yes, film. Yes, yes, I remember yeah. that. Yeah, Little yeah. things like that. And, and let's have more of those, anyone who's listening. No one's listening. No. But uh, <laughs> but if you are, let's have some of those more magical yeah. teasers in through the doors. I remember one from... Don't boot us in through the front door. I remember one from years and years ago when Scooby-Doo came out. You remember oh, yeah. the Scooby-Doo one? Was, was the it... Batman parody? I, I can't even just... remember it. So, I mean, Scooby-Doo came out in, what, 2001, 2002? Yeah, I was say, yeah. And the trailer is... It's like a gothic mansion. There's this camera panning through these dark, and there's a storm outside. And he's like, yeah. and it goes through the corridors, and they're going on. And, and there's I can't remember the voiceover, but it kind of it's building up to you thinking it's going to be like something like an action hero, a vigilante, and then you see the silhouette, uh, you know, a dark silhouette in the window being you know illuminated by lightning, and he's got the telltale Batman pointed ears. Sure. And you think, oh wow, it's a Batman film. Yeah. Are they, are they bringing Batman back? This is amazing. And then it suddenly the camera zooms back to, you know, round to a profile, and it's obviously Scooby Doo <laughs> looking out the window. He's like, Ray. who me? Yeah. <laughs> and then and it's like Scooby Doo coming soon. He's like, wow, they've made a live action. And, that's, film. and I'll tell you what, people would have gone to see Scooby Doo because it's that nice little surprise. Like when Austin Powers did the Darth Vader parody, didn't they? And yes. It was like yeah. um, an old character's coming back, and then he turns around, and he's like, one million dollars, and all this kind of thing. <laughs> but we want those kind of things. We want to be teased. I want to. I want to feel as if I'm kind of welcomed into the cinema, rather than being hooked in by the mouth and the eyeballs, Instagram, yeah. YouTube, everything like so that. So we want to be teased, but we don't want to. What we don't want to be teased continually in the five months until the film. I comes want to be out, seduced. Where we can Dan. somehow see the entire, as you say, the entire film. I want magic. I want romance. <laughs> Is that too hard? You know what you should see? Kenneth Branagh's new cinema It's time for. Netflix, yes, Come making on. its long-awaited return it's to the podcast. I can't remember the last time we did it. It was you that did one last time, and I think you did House of Cards. I think we did one before. Uh, the one after that, it's not been. It's been a while. It's okay, been a while. It's now galloping back on its yes. trusty white steed. I've had a f- uh, there's a few contenders, but I've settled on one because um, I can save the others. Yeah, <laughs> save them. Yeah. Well. Have you heard of Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt? Yes, it's the Tina Fey sitcom, isn't yes. it? I haven't seen it. I don't know much about this, it. This is the new Tina Fey, uh, produced by Tina Fey and Robert Carlock, who did uh, 30 Fey Rock. Rock. And it's on Netflix, all 13 episodes. So Netflix is basically, you know, it's another Netflix original series. Okay. And they, it, in the same way they did with House of Cards and, and, and many others, they said, right, yeah, okay, you can have, here's a two-season order, give us two seasons, you know, and, and, and all, the episodes, all the episodes of the first season are up now already. They bung them all like box bung, set mentality. Yeah, yeah, bung them all at the same time. You can binge watch them. You can watch them however you like. That's good. They're about twenty five minutes long, and it, yeah, it's a, it's a new sitcom. It's about the titular Kimmy Schmidt is a twenty nine year old woman who has for the last fifteen years been locked up in a in a sort of doomsday cult, okay. been imprisoned by this cult Fine. and by the cult leader, who's this mad reverend, uh, who's convinced her and her other captors that the world has ended and they had to live in an underground bunker. 
Right. And they can't leave the bunker. So it's, is it a fantastic premise already then? I mean, it's so, it's so bizarre and sort of novel, it, you know, it, it really does work. And I know, and I know it sounds sort of, it sounds horrific, but they play it very well. Mm. Anyway, so the first episode involves her being freed from this cult and deciding that she's going to try and rebuild her life in New York City. Right. Uh, and as you imagine, hilarity ensues <laughs> over the next 12 episodes. Yeah. And um, it stars Ellie Kemper, who was in Bridesmaids. Right. As one of the bridesmaids. Um, <laughs> as the reverend. <laughs> as the reverend. Uh, an actor called Titus Burgess, also featuring Carol Kane, right. a wonderful, legendary Carol Kane, uh, and um, 30 Rock alumni, Jane Krakowski. Um, I, I, I cannot, I mean, I've watched all, all 13 episodes now, and I was, you know, it's, it's very clever. It has this trademark Tina Fey uh, wit. And she doesn't write all this. She doesn't, she, I don't think she writes a lot of the episodes. Um, she in them? Tina Fey appear, appears later in the series in, in, a, in, in a cameo appearance. Um, I don't want to give too much away. No, I want to watch it. Now. But it's very, you know, it's very bright. It's, it's surreal in places. And, and but just also laugh out loud funny. I mean, with a, when you've got a cast, when you've got people like Carol Kane, Jane Krakowski, of that pedigree, you know, it, it, they can turn just you know they can turn a, a recipe into something hilarious by just the way they deliver the lines. Yeah, you've got this woman, this twenty-nine-year-old woman who has absolutely no idea. She's got an eighth-grade education. She, you know, she never she didn't finish school. She's been locked up in a bunker. She has no idea what the world is like. So she has the innocence of a child, and Ellie Kemper does that very, very well. She's very, <clears throat> she's very endearing mm. as a character, and as I as I keep I keep saying, it's one of the funniest things I've seen. So it's far become this like year. a social media darling, though, hasn't it? Like I'm always seeing the unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt on the, on Twitter. And... Yes, I mean I think they've I mean, they've tapped into something. Uh, they've tapped into that sort of audience. I mean, BuzzFeed love it. Yeah, and 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 I think the audience, the BuzzFeed audience, that, that kind of that demographic, that demographic, that kind of people who want immediate stuff, fans of listicles, fan, you know, there's something about it that makes it work for that audience. It's very much, you know, I I tried to get my stepfather to watch it uh, the other weekend. He did not enjoy it no didn't get it yeah. is it is it for your 20 somethings exactly yes it's for that it's netflix for us swallowing. You know, yeah it's for those who enjoy wallowing in front of netflix days for days on count me in you don't have to think too much but it is there, there are some very clever jokes in there and yeah. i wish like i wish people would you know it's one of those things you know give it a chance look out for those jokes because tina fey is very sharp and the writers are very sharp and there's some great great moments in it you would like it you would love it uh, i'm i'm really looking forward to it i think i'm going to start that because house of cards has come and gone out of my yes, life i yeah. made sure that i finished that for spoilerific reasons there's been more adventure time episodes that have gone up that i'm slowly working <laughs> my way through at five o'clock every morning over a mountain of cornflakes so yeah this will be my new project i think then they're 25 minute episodes and there's how many yeah there's 13 13. Let me know what you think. I will. Watch and it and let me know what you if think. If you have any net, net, net picks. God, oh I nearly made the a... The best of Netflix. I was going to nearly made a copyright error there. Uh, if you've got any suggestions for us or you want to uh, you want to get involved, you want to get Dan's opinion on, on other net picks that you've got, if you've got any ideas about what's going on with, uh, what's it called, the Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt? Yeah, just, just Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Not, unbreakable. No, no definite article at the front there. Okay, then you can contact us. We've got a shiny new email, but we'll wait until housekeeping to give that out, Dan. Yes, that's quite which, a... lucky enough, it's coming up next. <laughs> housekeeping. We don't actually have a jingle for that. Nope. Why bother? Why bother, Dan? Why bother? So there's a lot going on with OneRoomWithAView.com yes, at the moment. Yes, things have been very busy. For any new listeners, and Dan, we actually have a lot of new listeners, we just wanted to say a big thank you. The last two episodes that we've put out have been our most successful ever. 
So not only for One Room with a View show, but also the radio show as well. Yes. Yeah, yeah so we're very, very grateful. We're grateful for you to coming aboard. And yeah, <laughs> you idiots. <laughs> you stupid. Don't say that. <laughs> no, click subscribe, click subscribe. Thank you very much. We're very, very grateful. But the people we're also grateful uh, to are the people that put us in this job, and that is OneRoomWithAView.com, topical film website, yes. essentially, isn't it? Uh, so lots and lots are going on at the moment. We've been given a little list to tell you about. And in the same way that we are kind of a one of the fingers of the site, the other one we've got is a YouTube channel. And they're doing well at the moment, Dan. Yes, well, the YouTube channel is, is growing exponentially. Yeah. Uh, and, and there are plans to make, you know, expand it and make it bigger and better than it already than is. Than ever before, yeah. Um, it's some great content on at the moment. They've got the wonderful one-minute reviews. If you can't be bothered to read 100 words, or listen, listen to Listen them, to our 20-minute Or listen to our, you know, listen to our more in-depth stuff. You can hear Cambria giving a film review in, in a minute. I mean, yep. that's, and those can be, you know, very, very, uh, very bite-sized, bite-sized little chunks there. Yeah, nice you. little nuggets. Um, as well it. as some wonderful sort of top five uh, themed videos. We've done top five of the worst uh, moments CGI, of CGI in films, which is a wonderful video to watch. Yeah, uh, and more recently, uh, top five Easter eggs. Yeah, that's the most films. most recent output, isn't it? So that's worth a watch. That's on the YouTube, the One Room. Yes, so with you, you, YouTube. You, yes, I think you can link to that through the website. But also, if you went onto YouTube and just searched One Room Review, it would come up. Yeah, and what you'll also notice about the website, any of the our older audience members who've kind of already gone through the website, things are changing. The times they are are changing, as yes. Dylan once sang. Feature editors and review editors have come aboard. There's lots more content coming out on a daily basis. Features are going wild at the moment. There's, it's, it's becoming a lot more topical. So there's yes. a lot to read, a lot to get through. It's fantastic. Make sure oneroomwithaview.com is the first thing that you look at after you've listened to this podcast. Uh, I'm also told reliably that we're going to have a new homepage as well. It's wonderful stuff, Dan. Oh, so many, so many presents yeah, for everyone. And I just can't believe Our it. gift to you, listeners. Our gift to you via I mean, Mr. Not, David Brake. Not, not ours, actually. But Certainly not ours to uh, give. I'd like to just iterate that we had nothing to do with any of this. Well, yeah, we, 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 I suppose we damaged it in some ways. Yeah, we're, we the, were. we're the reason they had to get a new homepage. <laughs> yeah, we broke the we last broke one. We broke the last one. Is there anything we've got to say about the podcast, Dan? We'll be back next month, won't we? Back next month, as normal. Uh, so I mean, if you haven't already subscribed on iTunes, do 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 that, and you'll get the podcast automatically into your list of subs- uh, into your ear rolls. Your, into your subscriptions. Uh, we are also now on SoundCloud, so you can listen to the entire back catalogue on SoundCloud.com. Again, just go on SoundCloud and, and type in one room. The one room review showed will come up. So they've all been reimagined by Kenneth uh, Branagh. As well, so there. <laughs> At great personal expense. <laughs> <laughs> David Brake is now on his fourth job simultaneously. Yeah, uh, so do give that a listen if you, you know. So there's so many ways you can, you know, you can't escape us really. <laughs> no, and you can contact us if you really want to. We're now podcast at oneroomwithaview.com, which Makes is wonderful, sense. fantastic. Yeah. Follow the website at oneroomwithaview on Twitter. That's numerical one. You're at Mr. Alton, M I S T E R. I'm at the Prestonite. And I think that's really it until next month, Dan. We kind of gallop towards summer and blockbusters. We've got a couple yes. of specials planned that, I know, that I'm we'll be telling you more I'm about. I'm so excited for what we've got coming up over the next few months. Yeah, we've we've actually bothered to make like an arc for our season, <laughs> haven't we? So season two yes. is going to end... Contrary in... to popular belief, some, <laughs> some level of thought goes into this podcast. <laughs> exactly. So uh, we'll be kind of teasing that, Dan, uh, over the next few months. But um, until then... Cheerio. You're listening to The One Room With A View Show with Christopher Preston and Dan Orton.